0: Man, I'm grateful that you're here, I'm excited uh, for us to continue uh, looking at the Beatitudes. So go ahead and take out your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I think today, as we study, I hope that you'll begin to see a transition, because we're coming to a transition in this passage that we're looking at, And, and it's an important one. Um, I want us to begin this morning by reading the entire 10 verses at the beginning of Matthew 5 this morning. And what I want you to do is as we're reading them, knowing what we've learned together already about the ones that we've discussed, I want you to notice a transition that there is because what you'll see and what we're going to begin to talk about now is that the first four Beatitudes that we've already learned about um, have an inward focus. It has to do with our hearts before God. But you'll begin to see as we look at the next four that there's a, there's a change from an inward focus to an outward focus and i mean that to say not just how does it how do does the character of the kingdom affect the way we approach god inwardly now we're going to begin to see jesus make a connection between those and and the way we express the kingdom outwardly okay so matthew chapter 5 just beginning in verse 1 again um Matthew writes and says, When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Can you see it? Can you see there's a change that we're coming to where the inner character of the kingdom that's described in in these first four verses begin to turn outward toward people. They begin to become outward expressions in our lives. The hearts of the blessed not only show evidence of their blessedness in the way they approach God, but also in the way they approach people. So mostly we've been talking about what is our posture before God? The poor in spirit, the ones who mourn, the ones who are humble before God, the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those all have to do with the way we we approach God. But now as we come to verse 7, we hear Jesus say, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, for they will receive mercy. Mercy, starting to turn outward. Um, Does anybody remember playing the game mercy as a kid in school? How many of you ever played mercy with somebody? Okay. Maybe some of y'all don't even know what that is. Mercy was this weird game, okay, that you basically locked fingers with somebody and both of you, at the same time, tried to push on each other's wrists to the point where the goal was to try to be stronger than the other person to bend their wrist back so far until they couldn't take it anymore. It hurt so bad that they had to say, "What? Mercy, mercy!" And then, and then if you if you did that, you won. Um, sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> We did weird things when we were kids. Like, I don't play mercy anymore. So anybody comes up and wants to play mercy with me, I'm like, no thank you. Um, but I just got to thinking about that game. And because obviously when I hear the word mercy, for some reason, that's the, something that I thought of. And I got to thinking, did did you ever agree to play mercy with somebody that you knew you couldn't beat? No. Right? Like when one of your buddies at school or whatever said, hey, come on, let's play mercy, and they hold their hand out like that, you would never reach out and grab their hand if you knew good and well you could not beat them. You would say, because there were kids like that. There were kids that tried to play mercy with me. I'm like, mm-mm, no, because I can't beat you. I'm not. I'm not as strong as you are. You only agreed to play with the people that you thought you could beat. And why wouldn't you play somebody that you knew could beat you? Well, one, it's painful, right? It hurt, and you didn't want to be hurt. And second, it was embarrassing because there were always people watching. You always had an audience for a game of mercy. So so I got to thinking... The only time I would ever enter into playing a game of mercy with somebody is if I had the intention or the thought that I could actually beat them. That I could, um, so my my attempt or desire to ever play that game with anybody was motivated by my desire or, or my faith in my ability to dominate them, right? I didn't play mercy with people I couldn't beat. Why do we call that game mercy? Because I'm only motivated to play it if I think I can dominate you. And that's the opposite of what mercy means. That's the opposite of what Jesus is talking about here. So again, I want to give you sort of a definition to work with to say what uh, a couple of things about what what is how does mercy play into the heart of the kingdom here's what you can write down the blessed are compelled to give mercy to others because they've received mercy from god very simple this is a this is not a difficult beatitude to understand jesus says blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. You say, why would we want to ever give mercy to someone? Because we've received it. And that's who Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking to the ones who are saved, the ones who are believers. He's talking about ones who have received mercy, and he says the ones who have received mercy, as evidence of the mercy you've received, mercy will come out of your life into the lives of other people. Um, this we can see is an outward expression. And it really, this one really goes back and ties to that very first beatitude, which was what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit have humility before God. And because the poor in spirit are so humble before God and they embrace the mercy that God has shown in their life, then they express that same mercy to other people. Mercy can be a hard word to define, a hard thing to define with words. It's, it's hard to kind of put into words like, what is mercy? Or to explain to somebody, what does mercy look like with words? But we sure know what it is when we see it, don't we? It's, it's not hard to recognize. Um, it's not hard to experience. Sometimes it can be hard to put into words. And especially when we're recipients of mercy. Mercy. It may not be quite as easy to recognize it when we're giving it, but mercy is most recognizable when we're receiving it from somebody. Mercy itself involves several things. When we give mercy, when we receive mercy from other people, I think it comes in different forms. It comes in different packages, so to speak, and different elements of mercy are are highlighted in different moments depending on what our need is so I just want us to kind of talk about three expressions of mercy um, and this <coughs> will kind of help us get get a better wrap and picture on what is mercy and and why does Jesus say the merciful are blessed and so If you're a note taker, there's three expressions of mercy we'll talk about this morning. And here's number one. Mercy exercises compassion. Mercy is the exercise of compassion. And the merciful are compassionate people. Um, I keep trying to reiterate to you how shocking these words would have been to the people that were listening to Jesus teach on the mountain that day. And again, especially to the religious leaders and to people who lived in that culture of Roman society, this would have been a really shocking thing for Jesus to say, blessed are the merciful, because in that culture, most people, including the Jewish people, didn't really see mercy as a strength. They saw mercy as a weakness. Roman culture absolutely saw mercy as a weakness. I read and tried to study this and, and, and it was shocking to me that in Roman culture, um, the, the power of the patriarch was a big deal. The power of the father of a family um, was, was a huge thing. And there were actually times in Roman culture where a father could decide whether a newborn child lived or died. And they could make that decision. In in some cases, I read um, a, a newborn child would be brought and laid at the feet of a Roman father. And at that moment, that father could decide whether that child lived or died. And if there was something wrong with the child, if there was something not quite right, if there was a weakness or something about it that the father thought would not bring honor to his family, or might not be beneficial to the line, then the father had the authority to say this child doesn't live. Um, and that was normal. <laughs> this, is, this was the culture. Um, a child born with a handicap or some kind of deformity, very often in Roman culture, a father would say no. And it would be killed, sometimes drowned immediately as an infant just at the will of the father. And this was prevalent in culture. Husbands in this culture had the right to do, make these sort of decisions when it came to their wives. They could choose to have their wives um, killed or that their wives would die for whatever reason they saw fit. The relationship between masters and slaves was very similar. A master had the right to say whether a slave would live or die There was a huge lack of mercy and compassion in this culture that Jesus was speaking into. And so here comes Jesus. And Jesus is the most merciful human being that ever walked the face of the earth, right? Of course he was. Jesus was the greatest example of all of these things. And so Jesus was the the pinnacle of mercy, He healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he made the lame walk, he made the deaf hear. He was drawn to the poor and the impoverished and and he cared for them and he loved them for the ones that were social outcasts. He welcomed them into his circle. He showed mercy. But even Jewish culture didn't understand mercy the way Jesus knew it. Because Jesus, who was the most merciful human being ever, how did the Jews respond to him? They murdered him. No compassion. And very little value for compassion. Many times even right after Jesus would have shown compassion to a sinner, shown mercy to a sinner, the religious leaders were the ones that Scripture would say very soon after that would pick up stones to try to stone Jesus. In that moment, right after a demonstration of mercy, I think the Jews resented Jesus and his compassion because the more compassionate he was and the more expressions of compassion that he showed it was a reminder to them how much they lacked compassion and so it made them angry and they wanted to get rid of him mercy through compassion seeing a need and desiring to meet it Jesus talked about it in Luke chapter 10 what when you think of mercy and compassion and you think of all the stories that Jesus told what should be one of the first stories that comes to your mind The Good Samaritan, right? So here we have a story of a man who is beaten, robbed, left for dead on the side of the road. And who do we see? We see religious leaders come and go around him. And then finally a Samaritan, the last person you would think that would help a Jew in this situation decides to stop and help. And Jesus in this story, in Luke chapter 10, I want to read you verses 33 and 34 This is what Jesus shows in this story. He says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had what? Compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I say that mercy shows compassion because there's an element to the meaning of mercy. Mercy acts to eliminate suffering. You say, what, what does mercy feel like? Or how do I know when I'm, when I'm feeling mercy? Or when you see a need, it's one thing. Sympathy is one thing. It's one thing for us to see someone suffering and go, that's too bad. But that's not mercy. Mercy. Mercy acts. Mercy is an action. And it it seeks to eliminate suffering. When, When mercy sees people hurting, it's moved and it's motivated to do something about it to eliminate suffering. Merciful people are compassionate people. And that compassion in them moves them to act in mercy to meet a need. We see it in Jesus, just in numerous places, but in one one particular instance, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, the beginning of that verse, says when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is something that we don't see very often. You know why? Because this kind of merciful compassion isn't a part of our humanity. It's not normal. It's not not built into our sinful nature. But here we see Jesus, just one of many times that he had compassion, compassion that drove him to weeping, and then compassion that didn't just drive Jesus to feel a certain way about it, but Jesus' compassion moved him to act. And moved him to do something to, to meet the need that he saw. Jesus is always our greatest example. And it wasn't just physical needs that Jesus was drawn to in compassion, but we see here, like in Mark 6, it was a spiritual need that he saw in people. And praise God for the compassion of Jesus for you. And for me, praise God that Jesus looked into my life and saw that I was a sheep without a shepherd. And praise God that he had compassion on me. And that because of that compassion, he showed me mercy that I did not deserve. He saw that I had a need and he came to meet that need. And, and mercy, remember, it, it seeks to relieve suffering. That's a a key element of mercy. When when mercy sees suffering, it acts to take suffering away. And this is what we see in Jesus. So who are the merciful? The merciful are people of compassion. And why why are the merciful compassionate people? Because they've received compassion from Jesus. Because when they see needs and they see suffering, they identify with that suffering because they know that they were suffering and that Jesus came to relieve that suffering. He came to save. And so merciful people are compassionate. Here's the second thing. Mercy not only exercises compassion it's an action, but mercy expresses generosity. Compassion is a key element of mercy, but generosity is also a key element. Merciful people are givers. They are not takers. Again, something that was very much uh, common in, in the culture of Jesus' day and very much common in the culture that we live in. Take, take, take. Take everything you can. And Jesus says the merciful are not takers. They are givers. All throughout Scripture, there's a principle of generosity And there's also a principle that says God in generosity returns to those who are generous. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, listen to what it says. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor verse 25 a generous person will be enriched and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water now here's something that i want to make clear that we don't want to misunderstand when you read when we read a beatitude like blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy that's not a human thing Some people would read and misinterpret this and say, well, that just means if you're you're good to people, that people will be good to you. But that's not true. And that's that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Jesus isn't saying, if you're just merciful and nice to people the way you should be, then they'll be merciful and nice to you. That didn't work out so well for Jesus. We've already seen that. We've already said that. He was the the picture of compassion. He was the the picture of generosity, the picture of mercy, and yet he was killed for it by men. So don't count on that. Don't count on the mercy and the generosity of other people. It makes good sense that God would be generous to the generous. We're talking about God extending mercy to those who extend mercy to other people. And generosity here in in the Proverbs. What this is saying is not that if you are generous to people, all people will be generous back to you. We know that's not true. Many times you're generous to people, the rule that we experience is they will take advantage of you. You're generous to people, they will use you. You're generous to people, they will suck you dry. you get it amen there's some, some of us could say amen you know why because we've tried to be generous and we've experienced that in our life we've tried to be compassionate generous to people and and they have literally selfishly taken advantage of us but that's not the principle in this proverb God is generous to those who are generous God returns that And it would make sense that he does that because being generous to the greedy, if God were to choose to be generous to those who are greedy, what would that benefit? Who would that benefit? It would only benefit the greedy because they would just hoard it for themselves. But God chooses to be generous to those who are generous because it multiplies. The proverb says, for the person who is generous, God is generous in his blessings. And see, people who are truly generous, they're generous whether they have a lot or if they have a little. See, if we're only generous when we are in abundance, if we're only generous people when we have a lot, but we're not generous when we have a little, that's not real generosity really generous people that Jesus is talking about and this proverb is talking about are people who give no matter what they have. It doesn't matter if they have a lot. It doesn't matter if they have a little. They're generous. And so the proverb says that as they are generous, as they are being generous to people, God says, I'm gonna continue to be generous to you because it overflows out of you into the lives of other people. And that represents me and my goodness. (coughs) Luke chapter 6, verse 38, is another place. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So we, we've heard this verse. You, you, you've you heard this verse referred to before, I'm sure. Especially the part that says, um, it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's basically just just packed in, an abundance, it will be given to you. But verse 38 also says, for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That God, God doesn't overflow the lives of people who don't overflow into the lives of other people. And we often read this, and we think about money, don't we? Don't you? Don't I, there's something about us as Americans that when we read that verse, and it's probably because we've heard preachers over the years use this verse when it comes to money, or maybe you've heard a TV preacher talk about use this verse to say why they you should send money to them, and those kind of things. And and I think there is a principle that that we can take from that. But if we read all of Luke chapter six where this verse is taken from, Jesus doesn't say a whole lot about money in Luke chapter six. Actually, if we back up a little bit, if, if we go back to verses 35 and 36, look at what Jesus is talking about. Right before this, he says, but love your enemies, do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil and then look at verse 36 be what merciful just as your father also is merciful I think there's good reason to believe that when Jesus in verse 38 says for with the measure you use it it will be measured back to you he's restating Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. He's restating this beatitude. And that it's not, it's not a promise of money. It's not a promise of financial gain. He says, with, with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Good reason to think Jesus is talking about mercy. He's talking about compassion. He's talking about generosity. Those, those non-physical things. Not just in meeting physical needs, but, but generous in our love. Look at what he talks about in 35 and 36. Love your enemies. Do good things to the ones who persecute you and hate you. When someone needs something, give, give them what they need without expecting things in return from them. Why? Verse 35, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. He says, this is the kind of mercy. How, how, and, and so how do we do that? How, how, are we, how can we be generous to people who aren't generous to us? Because God has been. That's why. And that's how. Because God has been generous to you. Can you say amen to that? And if you think you can't, you really can't. Don't get so down on yourself that you think, oh, well, God's not generous to me. Yes, he is. The fact that you're alive (laughs) means that God is generous. The fact that he sacrificed himself, that he sacrificed his son for you, he has been generous to you. The fact that there is an abundance of glory and eternity waiting for you, he has been generous. It's not all about money. It's not all about stuff. So Jesus says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy." As we are generous to people, God says, "I will be generous to you." And then verse or the third thing. Mercy exercises compassion. Mercy expresses generosity, and then, huge here, mercy grants forgiveness. Mercy grants forgiveness. If we look deeper into the Sermon on the Mount and we get into chapter six of the sermon, we see where Jesus gives us the the model prayer, right? We call it the Lord's Prayer often. And he says, When you pray, this is how you should pray. And in verse 12, I want you to notice something about the Lord's Prayer and, and, and what Jesus says about it that maybe you may not have noticed before. In verse 12, Jesus says we should pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You've prayed that many, many times. You've recited that prayer before. Now, that word debt does not, is not just talking about money. It's talking about like a trespass. It's talking about a sin. Forgive us of our sins and our, our trespasses against you as we forgive people who have sinned against us, as we forgive people who have trespassed against us. But then after, if you notice all of those things in chapter 6, as it gives us this model prayer, He comes back at the end after verse 13 and he reiterates what he says in verse 12, in verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. So of all of the principles and the things that we see in the Lord's Prayer, verse 12, that part of the Lord's Prayer is the only part of it that Jesus immediately, when he's finished giving the model prayer, goes back as if to say, hey, really pay attention to this part. Now, let me tell you what it's not saying. We read that, and those are those are heavy words from Jesus in verse 14 and 15. If you forgive others, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, God will not forgive your offenses. That's really hard for for somebody to twist around and say, well, that doesn't really mean that. That's what it says. Now, let me tell you what it doesn't say. Jesus is not saying that if you don't forgive other people, as God has forgiven you, then he will take your salvation away. That's, that's, that's not what's, because that would contradict other things. We don't, we, we don't attain our salvation because of anything we do or don't do. It's all the work of God in our life. So it would, it would really contradict that if Jesus were to say, here's this thing. And if you do it, then you're going to lose your salvation. Well, you didn't, you didn't do anything to get it. So, so we're, we have to be sure that's not really what Jesus is saying. Because the blessed, the ones in the Beatitudes, the blessed are a part of the kingdom and have already been forgiven by God and there's an expectation that they will forgive other people. Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy from God. But part of the motivation for your mercy is the fact that you've received it already. Your motivation for forgiving others is expected because God has forgiven you. And Jesus makes that very clear here. And when there is unforgiveness in me as a believer, as a child of God, when I, the chief of sinners who have experienced the forgiveness of God in my life, when someone else, when one of you hurts me, does wrong to me, and even comes to me and acknowledges to me hey I messed up I did something wrong and I harbor unforgiveness in my heart and I refuse to extend forgiveness to you when God has been generous and gracious in his forgiveness to me God says that causes trouble between you and I that that hinders my relationship with him that that means that that my ability to be able to come to God in in confession and confess my sin and have a pure clean heart before God that's completely disrupted if I can't extend that to you when there is when there is unforgiveness in me that's sin and when I refuse to deal with that sin of unforgiveness in me that's unrepentant sin in my life and when there's unrepentant sin in my life it damages my relationship with the father and you know what the father does when there's unrepentant sin in the life of one of his children he disciplines you he disciplines us and so what Jesus is saying here is that if you forget the forgiveness that you've experienced and you don't extend it to other people then there will be issues there will be correction that i will allow to come into your life to get your attention it creates a barrier between us and and a clear conscience before god and god takes that very seriously and if you don't think jesus takes it seriously if we flip over in matthew to chapter 18 we see a story that jesus tells where he illustrates this very thing And basically, I won't read the whole story, the whole parable, but it's a parable of a king. And the king had two servants, and they both owed him a certain amount of money. One owed him a little bit, and one owed him a lot. Neither one of them could pay back their money. And so the king, in mercy and compassion, says, I forgive both of your debts. And so then immediately, the one who owed a lot of money leaves the king's presence and he goes out, into, goes out into the city and he meets another fellow servant who owes him just a little bit of money. And he says, hey, I need my money. And the guy says, hey, look, I just don't have it. I don't have it, but I'll get it. I know I owe you and I want to pay you back. I just don't have it now. If you'll give me just a little more time, I'll pay it back. And that servant says, No. No, I want my money now. And he has his fellow servant thrown in prison because he can't pay back that little bit of money that he owes him. Immediately after leaving the king and having been forgiven a debt that he would have never been able to repay had he worked and saved every penny for the rest of his life, he wouldn't have been able to pay that back. And so how does the king respond, Jesus says, when he hears of this servant? Look at verse 32 in chapter 18. It says, Then after he had summoned him, the king summoned the servant back into his presence, and after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. This is serious stuff. And I'm reminded and even convicted of the fact that we don't take forgiveness as serious as we should, according to Jesus. The grace and the mercy that we have for one another is expected. It's a character. It's a part of the people of the kingdom. These are strong words that Jesus uses. The forgiveness that we give reflects the forgiveness that we receive. You say, why is it such a big deal to God that we forgive each other because it's a reflection of what he's done for us. And when we walk around with these unforgiving hearts and unforgiving attitudes and we, and we can't do that for one another, God says you are destroying that picture of forgiveness to the rest of the world. You're destroying that picture of what I have done for you when everybody else looks at your life. They can't see me. They can't see me in you when you are like that. It dishonors the forgiveness of God and it distorts the picture of the forgiveness of God to the rest of the world. And Jesus says, don't do it. Don't withhold forgiveness from someone. And and when you do, expect God to correct you. Expect there to be circumstances that come into your life that get your attention because God takes it very seriously and God as our Father who loves us will correct us and he will hold us accountable to do what is expected of us because we are to be merciful people. So all three of these things, this is mercy. Mercy in compassion, mercy in generosity, and mercy in forgiveness. So I'll end with this statement. Mercy sees a need and acts to meet it. Mercy sees a need and acts to meet it. Through compassion, through generosity, and through forgiveness. We are all people in need. Amen? Amen? all of us are people in need now we are one of we are we are one of two people the greatest need that we have apart from any need that we have in this world we have all been people who needed a merciful savior that's our greatest need as humans so we are either a people who are giving mercy out of the overflow of the mercy that we've already received from a merciful Savior or we are people who are still in need of that Savior. And we should be one of the two. If we have received mercy, we must give it, Jesus says. And when we do, God will extend mercy to us. He has already extended mercy to us in salvation. Out of that... Mercy comes out of our lives into other people. And folks, when, I, when we are, are seeking to give mercy to people, God in our circumstance as his children, when things come and things become difficult, God will show his mercy to be faithful to us.